It's philosophy talk. Am I to infer that you intend to keep me captive? Captive, captive. Oh, it's such an inappropriate description. Isn't keeping any sentient being captive cruel? Weren't eagles made to soar? Lions made to roam and roar? Most intelligent life forms find involuntary confinement offensive and inequitable. Moreover, you have violated Federation law. Doesn't everyone want to be free? Imprisonment is an injury, regardless of how you justify it. Our guest is Laurie Gruen, editor of The Ethics of Captivity. I must emphasize, Mr. Fajo, that I consider this captivity a hostile act on your part. Captivity. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, a program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where Ken and I practice philosophy. Today, we're thinking about captivity, both human captivity and animal captivity. Should we really be lumping people and critters together like that? I don't see why not. Well, because human captivity and animal captivity are different and particularly morally different. I, I frankly don't see how, John. Putting a person in a prison deprives him of freedom and autonomy. Putting an animal in a cage, well, it does the same thing. Yeah, but we put people in prison to punish them. We aren't punishing animals when we put them in zoos or keep them as pets. Oh, yeah? You, you ever ask a tiger whether it wants to be locked up in a cage and gawked at all day? Why, well, I have no idea what a tiger wants, Ken, and neither do you, I suspect. But for better or worse, the savanna isn't what it once was. Well, thanks to us humans. Well, my point is that for some animals, there's really no alternative to, to a life in captivity. Given the way the world is, keeping them in a captivity might be actually the best thing for them, especially if we make the conditions of their captivity as benign as possible. Oh, John, come on. First, So first, we destroy their habitats, then we lock them up and throw away the key, and then we pretend it's all for their own good? Come so, on. So you got a better idea? Let all the animals out of the zoos. That's your idea? See how long they survive. Better life in a comfortable confinement than death in the vanishing wild. Let me see you try that on a human's wife. Why, why, don't, why don't you do that? Come on, we're going we're gonna to invade your land, take you captive, and then we're going to make you like it. Oh, come on. Oh, well, thanks for a, a pressy of uh, the history of mankind. But anyway, you're missing the point that people and animals are different. Yeah, yeah, John, they are, because some people actually deserve to be held captive. Most, if not all, animal captives are just innocent victims of human greed and rapaciousness. Oh, come on, Ken. Do I hear you saying that all these young men rotting in prison, overwhelmingly minorities, for things like simple drug possession, are getting what they deserve? Do you really think minimum mandatory sentences, three strikes and you're out, and all the other crap you think that's a matter of justice? I, I didn't, and I wouldn't say any of that. Our prison system is a moral nightmare. I grant you that. But you know what, John? Our treatment of animals is even 
worse. We lock them up not just in zoos, but also in laboratories. We keep them as pets. We herd them for slaughter. And we do so without a single nod. Not a single nod toward justice or fairness. Boy, I'm starting to feel guilty about my ant farm, Ken. Look, I love animals as much as the next guy, but you're going way overboard here. I, I I don't see why you would say that. Because we owe different things to animals than we do to humans. Yeah, well, in virtue of what? Come on. Well, how about the fact that humans have a level of dignity, freedom, and autonomy that no animal can match? So you think of animals as mere things, huh? Yep. But they're not. They have dignity, too. And they could be free and autonomous, too, if we would just, just let them be. Animals aren't mere things. I grant you that. But they aren't people either. Big deal. So what? It makes a difference. Well, you still haven't told me how. Well, imagine a really pleasant confinement with enough food, shelter, and water, and plenty of opportunities for mental f- uh, stimulation and physical exercise. Oh, uh, yeah. Right, right. Th- that's the best our pets can hope for? Yeah, exactly. And it's not bad for pets. Surely, I agree, keeping a human in that kind of confinement would be a really bad thing. Doesn't matter how pleasant. But I don't see for a moment that it's a bad thing for my dog, Gretchen. That's why I owe her. Not freedom or autonomy. She wouldn't know what to do with that. Uh, that, You know what? That's thanks to us, John, again. Gretchen's ancestors were proud and free wolves. They were roaming the wild, top predators of their domain. And what did we do to them? We domesticated them. We diminished them, made them fit for nothing but captivity. That's an affront to nature. Ah, Ken, I don't know where to begin to try to straighten you out. And I don't know where to begin to straighten you out. Well, maybe we should just step outside. But, actually, instead, let's see if our roving philosophical reporter, Natalie Jones, can help. We sent her out to look at the lives of captive bears who serve as spectacles for humans. But they also help improve relations between people and free bears everywhere. She files this report. It isn't news that animals go after our food, but for people who live or camp in bear country, the stakes of being sloppy are high. They're not your typical backyard patio guests, but these bears have been making themselves at home in this Monrovia neighborhood, especially on trash day. We must guard our honey pots and seek new picnic basket technology or risk these super bears running through our cities like so many berry patches. When bears get too close, they can turn into a threat. And when they discover how easy it is to forage for human food in trash cans, campsites, and yards, they can give up on traditional food sources altogether. And if they hang around people too much, the bear's days are numbered. Very sadly, when a bear receives that unnatural, unsecured food reward from humans, uh, they, they can't be changed. And so, yeah, they have to stay in captivity. Randy Gravatt works at the Grizzly and Wolf Discovery Center, just outside the entrance to Yellowstone National Park. Here, eight grizzly bears live out their days as captives. But these bears aren't just on display, they have a mission. All of our bears were going to be euthanized, and instead of that happening, we rescued them, and they are literally here to help educate the public uh, that visits the center uh, so that they don't make those same mistakes when they're in bear country. Gravatt runs a container testing program that keeps the bears busy. Manufacturers send in their garbage cans and other products to see if they can market the containers as bear-resistant. And we do use that word bear-resistant versus bear-proof. We, along with the Forest Service, believe that pretty much nothing out there is bear-proof if given enough time. 
we're going to leave the uh, enclosure here and go out to the viewing area and let the bears out. At the center, Gravatt fills the container with food. Peanut butter, meat, fish, honey, all the foods bears like. And throws it into the fenced-in yard where the bears roam to let them take a shot at ripping it open. <laughs> it's like, I know I can get into this. The bears get 60 minutes, and if they can't crack the container and get the food, the container gets a seal of approval. If the bear gets in, the container fails. And that happens about 40% of the time. At the Discovery Center, bears do double duty. They help make containers more durable and also show visitors how strong and smart bears really are. Quite often, the public will make mention that um, they thought that bungee cords over a cooler were going to keep the bears out until they saw our bears, you know, working some coolers. The Yellowstone bears have become the gold standard for this kind of work. It's been said that, that our bears are the experts, and, and since they've been doing it this 10 years, they really have learned all the ways to get in. But are the bears willing workers and testers? Or would these experts prefer to roam the wild? There's no real way to measure that, but Gravatt believes they appreciate the challenge. They enjoy getting the food reward. I mean, they're, they're out there rolling a trash can around for an hour. He thinks they find it stimulating, which is something the staff at the center is always trying to encourage. By giving bears the containers to play with or by hiding their food instead of just laying it out for them. Very, very important for any animal in captivity to keep them physically and mentally stimulated. The public is also stimulated by the bears. The center stresses the educational value of the animals above all else. Bringing bears and people together in captivity may help keep them apart in the wild. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Natalie Jones.